0: Welcome back to Your 1230, the podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of only 12 questions and ideally 30 minutes. This week, we are thrilled to be joined by Joe Templin. Joe is a human Kaizen expert, an ultramarathoner, a special needs parent, Taekwondo champion, and the author of Everyday Excellence. Joe, we are thrilled to have you here this week. Very excited. Uh, How are you doing today?
1: Like, I'm looking forward to a great conversation.
0: Excellent. I love that bio, and I, I want to uh, start at the beginning there. Uh, I'm familiar with Kaizen, but I've never heard it referred to as a human Kaizen expert. So I'll let you explain.
1: I think I actually coined the term of human Kaizen because for people who are not familiar with the Japanese concept of Kaizen, it was the reason why Toyota was able to go in the 1970s from the absolute worst car company on the planet, basically. Horrible quality and all that, but by giving the individuals on the line and everybody the ability to stop what was going on and make micro changes, they were able to shorten the feedback loop and get massive amounts of improvement on a very short cycle basis and have that continuous improvement, which is part of their hallmark, which is one of the reasons why in the 1990s, basically every major corporation in the United States basically took the idea and started applying. And we've applied this in business. We've applied it everywhere, except to individual human conditions. And so that is my mission, is to reach 100 million people over the next year and help them improve themselves. And because of that, be able to improve their communities and their health.
0: Okay, that's, that's an excellent answer. And you talk about micro improvements or doing with the human condition, what is a good first step in kind of either when you're helping somebody do that, or if I'm interested in taking that first step myself, what should I do?
1: Um, the most important thing is that they got to want. That is by far the most important because you can't help somebody who doesn't want to be, that is the most basic and most frustrating thing. When you see your friend is struggling and going down the road of addiction, and they don't give a damn, there is literally nothing you can do to help. If somebody is content just sit there on the couch eat Cheetos and watch The Bachelor and become diabetic, there's not a damn thing that you can help. But once they decide that they want to start making changes, then we need to steal something from James Clearer in his book, Atomic Habits, and make the smallest possible changes. Okay. Very
2: nice. And you mentioned 100 million
0: people. Uh, how, let's start with, how did you arrive at that figure? Why is that the target?
1: Um, one, because they big, hairy, audacious goal, and I love the eggs, as Jim Collins talks about. Two, Lewis Howes, with School of Greatness, has a goal of 100 million people a week. I'm nowhere near that. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm 150th of that potential at this point, and uh a lot less than that, but it gives me some and strive for. And I was talking with a couple of friends who are successful authors they talked about the ratio between um, number of impressions and the sales that you can get. So there is actually a little bit of mathematical basis. But really, it just gives me something so absolutely huge that I wake up every single day completely and totally energized and challenged. And so it puts me in the state of flow in terms of trying to help
2: Okay. And with the explanation of Kaizen and your goal to reach th- that number of folks, I think it
0: transitions nicely into everyday excellence. Uh, what, what can someone learn from the book? If, um, if, I, if I don't know about it, what should I know before picking it up?
1: So it's designed to be a multivitamin for life. So uh, my cousin, when she got her copy, tried to sit there and go through and read the entire thing. I'm like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. That's not the way it's designed. There's six days in the book, plus introduction and outro. Uh, we took it in account later, obviously. And it's designed to be, as I said, a multi-volume. and so you take it every single day. It takes two to three minutes to read and do that day's uh, work. It is structured as a quote and discussion around it that gives you some insight because you have to make choices that are most important to yourself, but then gives an action item. So we can actually crystallize some of the changes in decision making that have occurred in the day and it reinforces. And throughout the year we come back to different to some concepts over and over again. And so there's this reinforcement that allows people to make these small, slightly better decisions throughout the day. But when you add them up over a day, week, month, year, the impact can be breaking. Okay.
2: And do you envision that that book
0: should be picked up at the beginning of each day with, with that day's target from reading the Daily Passage or it can be picked up anytime. If you've it can be picked
1: up anytime, but I actually read the book every single morning. part of my morning habit. Um, I get up, I have my, grab my cup of coffee, start the other coffee, uh, brain dump whatever's in my head for a couple of minutes, read um, something else, but then I read and do my own version of the book. And some days it's like, ooh, that's a tough one. And why do that? Which means that it's forcing me to have that improvement because it's in doing the difficult things that we
0: improve. I like that even the author will have days and pages and sections where it's like, no, that's, that one's hard. I, I don't want to do this one, but forcing yourself to do you're right, is the way to do it. Is there, is there an area in the book where I can take notes, where I can put review what my goals for the day, and if I reach them, or how does that work?
1: Actually, what I recommend is people scribble all over. If you actually look at Thomas Jefferson's book, which makes the basis of the U.S. Library of Congress, he has notes written everywhere. And Ryan Holiday talks about the fact that old books are written. I can go back and grab books off my bookshelf that I've had for decades. And you can see the different colors of ink and the highlighting and the changing thought process. And the Stoics have a saying that no person can step in the same river twice. If the river is different and the person's so as I'm going back through it and reading the book now versus when I was writing it or uh, going through and editing it, it I'm looking at it with new eyes because of the experiences that I've had before. And so this is actually a book that has been written in and worn out. Go ahead and replace it in five, ten years once it's falling apart. So it will, will be well worth it.
0: And where can our listeners find it if they want to pick up their
2: own copy?
1: So they can get it off my website, which is everyday-excellence, and I recommend that they go there because that is a full environment for excellence. All the podcasts live there. I put up a micro-blog every day. There's additional insight. i to link to the YouTube page and the Twitter feed and uh, the TikTok and all those other things so they can get additional content, uh, contact and content. But they can also find it on Amazon, Barnes Noble, basically anywhere you can find books, hopefully.
0: Very nice. And so far, you've mentioned that you've got a morning habit stack, your daily blogging, even if it's a micro blog. I'm sure your day is filled with uh, activities, both personal and professional. Can you give us a little insight or some help on how you calendar schedule or how you fit all those things in each and every day?
1: So I use my regular calendar and I put in big things. Like, you know, we were doing this talk at a particular time. But one of my favorite things is good old fashioned index cards. Actually I threw mine one for the day away already. But at the start of the day I sit down and I write a handful of most important things that are not on the that I have So it might be recording a couple of YouTube blogs, it might be following up on something for the kids, it might be finishing a proposal for an organization. And I just put it on the list and I can know around these scheduled meetings, I just start doing them, And as I finish them, I cross them off. Then when uh, I'm completely done, I go to David Letterman and toss it in the dark. Because that creates a psychological closure. And by bringing it from your head and putting it on paper, you don't have anxiety. Anxiety very often comes about because we're overwhelmed because they have so much to do. If you put it on paper, it allows you to attack. And even if you're just like Star-Lord and have 12% of a to again, guess what? You're moving in the right direction. You have the highest fraction that Dr. Lillian talked about and you end up filing a free.
0: This episode of Your 1230 is brought to you by Accomplished RE, helping real estate agents achieve time, location, and financial freedom. So I, I get the psychology rationale behind having the card, throwing it away, and putting the information there. What would be... Why not put it on the calendar as well? What's the thought process there?
1: Um, I do put some things on the calendar. So, for example, if I need to write a proposal, I will, uh, when I get to that day, I will then put half-hour proposal time or you know, writing time to put on. And within that writing time, we'll have multiple different projects working on. So I'm always working on three to 10 different writing uh, projects of different sizes. But sometimes if like I'm working on a larger one for a client, I might let something that I'm working on for myself. And so by documenting it and putting it on the card, it makes sure that I'm paying the right amount of attention.
2: And you mentioned
0: that uh, you host a podcast as well. What, uh, what can you Actually, tell us about I that? I
1: don't host a podcast. Okay. On my website, all the podcasts that I've been on live so that... An easy place for people to find it. I've got a friend who's a long haul trucker, and he actually goes uh, to my website because he's like every week there's three hours of new content that's put up in various podcasts. So it gives him an opportunity to do that. So it's a conscientious choice of mine because I cannot give the same quality of a podcast as you can or somebody who this is what you're doing. What I do is. Uh, I give ideas. I give insight. I give the occasional kick in the butt or pat on the back. So that is where my capability truly really lies. And so in terms of the net impact is a better use of my time for that than trying to become a poor version of me
0: That's fantastic. Thank you for clearing that up. And you've got a very supportive friend there. If He's tuning in each and every week to, uh, to your interview so uh, that, that, that's nice that you've got that, that support in your corner uh, you mentioned a pat on the back or kicking the pants if necessary how do you besides of course the, uh, the Everyday Excellence book how, how are you providing or what is the mechanism for you to do those things to clients or, or people interested in,
2: in uh, being be excellent everyday
1: how far just a quick text or voicemail hey good job and go
2: I mean, I've got uh, friends and clients or managers
1: in all sorts of different organizations, uh offices. And we are so focused on the details, so focused on the activities and all that, that we rarely take a half step back and say, hey, good job. Like uh, when I caught my kid doing something good last week, I waited five minutes and then complimented him. Hey, thank you. That was really good, and he just lit up and being. And don't do this nearly enough. So having the stick is important because there needs to be a little bit. Of, I want to say pure. People might think I, I did. No, I don't. I just. Do. I just threatened. And They laugh. Uh, but also having the carrot. That combination push and pull is what well allows us to have maximum results and being consistent around. If somebody misses a target or doesn't uh, hold up their commitment to what they say or they're going to do, whatever, you need to immediately call them out.
2: Because what happens is very quickly they start calling.
1: However, when they're doing something right, good, you can't let reinforcement of that good behavior come months later or six months later like those bonus stuff of to the office. You need to almost immediately, hey, that was good love it. And so it is having, the, again, the short stack loop like Toyota had on the assembly line. That is what we need on an individual basis, both good and bad, so that it's not, oh, I do horrible things, and it's not caught Well, so six months later, I've gotten all sorts of, of joy out of it in meantime. It's like, no, wrong, bad, stop, work,
2: awesome, good, keep it up, immediately to create that work. Yeah, I think, the uh, as you mentioned, that kind of tying together
0: everything we've discussed so far, the short feedback loop, the immediacy, and having the ability to highlight what's working well, what uh, congratulations for or doing a good job, and then also the other side of that, when things aren't going well, to do the same as opposed to ignore it or hope it gets better because most likely it won't. Switching uh, gears a little bit, part of the bio, ultra-marathoner. I'm assuming you didn't just lace up your sneakers and decide to, to run. That's 100 miles, correct?
1: Uh, technically, it's anything over a marathon. So okay. my first one that I did was actually a double marathon because I swore years ago I would never do another marathon because they suck. Uh, so I swore I'd never do another one. So in my twisted mathematical mind, two negatives make positive. So doing two marathons in a day did not, means I did not do a marathon.
0: Okay. Uh, mathematically, I do think that two negatives works. It's the other the other way of looking at it that I think it's nuts, but so just walk me through it. How many marathons had you had ran before you decided this was it for me? And then you know what? Actually, I'm going to do two. What was I, that? I
1: did. I've done two full regular marathons, San Diego Marathon, a couple of years ago. But about eight years ago, my buddies from high school called me up and they're like, "Hey, Templin, we got something cool and crazy for you." I'm like, "What is it?" I'm in. They're like, Ragnar, approximately 200 mile team relay race. Uh, where you get Stockholm Syndrome, and maybe if you're lucky, you sleep on the floor. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in. And so I did one that year, and then the next year I did like five. Um, and I wow. joined up with my running team and uh, became hooked on it. But then during COVID, when all the races got canceled, one of the members of my running team was like, you need to do something crazy so we don't go insane. So we started doing virtual Ragnar's and all this other stuff. Then we decided, hey, let's do a backyard ultra marathon. So every hour you do one, two, or three miles. Um, and being the distance the day a.m., I'm like, okay, I'll do three miles off. And uh, I thought everyone started at nine. I thought I started at 5 a.m., like a regular Ragnar. So I was four hours ahead. So I had 12 extra miles on every day to begin <laughs> with. Um, and then after like the first, 10, 12 hours, everybody's basically dropped out, and I'm like, I can keep going. And I got to about 40, I'm like, I'm just gonna do a double. And so that's why I did so it. So I didn't just lace up my shoes and run it because I'd been prepping to do uh, Ragnar's, and, you know, 25 mile in a day, 40 mile in a day type things, but I sort of did fall into doing the you building. Know, and then, Afterwards, when I'm sitting there pissed blood in the shower and drink my beer, I'm like, this isn't that bad. Go with a little practice and you know better nutrition and planning. I can go further. So, six months later, I did a full 100 kilometer. I did it in three hours less than I did the six miles. And now I was planning to do a full 125, which is three marathons. Uh, but then I broke my leg, stopped running so i'm just starting to really get back into it because in the fall i'm planning on doing hamster wheel which is a four mile loop just go around and around and around
2: the i don't want to say i'm speechless but
0: ending with the hamster loop uh that kind of that that throws me for okay so
2: why why,
0: is that a team exercise is that you doing that on your own or what does that look like in practice
1: uh can be a team exercise uh, I'm actually planning on doing it with my almost 16 year old, and the plan is that I'll do three loops, he'll do one loop. He's actually a spreader, so going slow for four miles, you know, doing it in like you know 35 minutes, 40 minutes is going to be tough for
2: him. I, I'm so use... I'm planning
1: on doing about 72 miles that.
0: No big deal. Plus, it's just a four-mile loop over and over yeah, again. The I hamster wheel gotta, is quite a good name minute. for
1: that. It's just like building a business. I just have to do what I need to okay.
2: Sure, except over and over again, and it it's the same
0: path when there's no chance for shortcuts, for efficiencies, it's going to okay. just be...
1: Exactly. But there it's being uncovered. But see, on the book, that is the nonlinear growth curve that you get. you doing it over and over again. Every single day you practice as a musician or a martial artist. Every day you write as a writer, and you improve. Every day you run and you can go longer distances, faster and stronger. Every day you invest in that relationship, hopefully it grows. grow, if there's a psychotic like that, So it is that continuous improvement by having the regular daily effort. And that's why it's called everyday excellence, because. The quote from Aristotle is that excellence is a habit. And habits need to be practiced every single day. So, that is one of the keys that people overlook is, you know, if you eat salad and salmon for four days, but then you spend the next day, three days binging on donuts and cheeseburgers, guess what? At the end of the week, you're not going to show much improvement. Now, you can have a cheat day. I mean, my cheat days are epic, like on. Uh, National Donut Day, that was my day for the month. I had 10 Boston donuts. Wow. And I lived on donuts and coffee for that day, and I didn't want to see another donut for a month. And at, for that week, though, I lost a half a pound, and I still did everything else that I needed to. Do. So having that day, having that, you know, release that pressure valve allows you to not pop overall. And you can continue to make your progress.
0: I think I would have mixed... I, I like Boston Cream Donuts as well, but I think I would have mixed in a few different flavors just for variety. But again, going back to that hamster wheel, you, you are a man who likes, likes doing certain things, so I get it. Uh,
1: well, but- I have to because I'm ADHD. And so I understand my limitations, and I can't just flap my arms and fly. So we build airplanes. I can't just do what I need to do in a lot of ways, so I build structures around me so that within those constraints, I can bounce around like a same ping pong ball but accomplish what i need to and so it is understanding your limitations but then working within them and then pushing the boundaries as appropriate that allows us to have our growth
0: i I like that and that's a nice segue into what i was going to ask you because you mentioned the thought after a race of that wasn't so bad or the you know "I i need a cheat day kind of the. Tying in a mental piece or tying in a mindset to a physical activity. So how, how do you accomplish the things that you have, which are, I, mean, I know I'm joking, but are quite impressive to, to do that, and we haven't even got to the Taekwondo piece yet. How do you kind of marry those two things that uh, if there are days when you don't want to or would rather be doing something else or have a lot on your plate, and then there is just a physical piece, how do you kind of keep both of those moving forward, improving them, I- even when it's difficult?
1: So one of the things that I do is I use structure. I have that morning habit stack. I talk. I get up. I have the coffee. I do the brain dump. I read. Then I go run for 20 minutes. Then I write again. And that's one of the reasons why I was able to write an almost 800-page eight, eight book in under six months because I sat down and I wrote at least two days of the book every single day no matter what. But then I go and I do my Taekwondo workout. Then I sit down and I brain dump again for a little bit. Then I get into my routine set. So I get up typically about 4, 6 in the morning. By 6 a.m., I have already read. I have already done some research. I have meditated. I have prayed. I have gotten two really good physical workouts. And I have accomplished more than most people in a day simply because I don't go around. I get up early before anybody else can serve me. But I got three kids who your special needs, and I just hammer it so that way. No matter what else happens
2: throughout the day, I can still have a couple of them. Yeah, we are our listeners are only listening to
0: us. They can't see the focus in your eyes as you've talked today, but you, I, it's it's rather evident, especially when you talk about uh, the things that are most exciting to you. That the focus and the passion that, that is just comes over you as you talk about it. I did yeah, want to want bring to talk up
1: about that for a moment because. If you have real passion for what you're doing, you don't need as much discipline. If you, as Arnold Schwarzenegger said, he loved lifting the weight; he wanted to be Mr. Universe so badly that was the most important thing. So he would lift until he passed out, and you know, get back up and keep going, and didn't need discipline because he was operating out of love for something. If your why is big enough, you will overcome any how. As Frederick said, so if you can find that stuff. Get you that amped up. That is what you need to be doing, whether it's for work or what you're doing in terms of your physical activity or that, that project that you're working You need to have this level of passion, and hopefully you can bring that into your relationship. But this drive makes it a hell of a lot easier to do what you need to and want because you are so driven. And you're living in a world of due stress
2: as opposed to for the Thank you for highlighting a, the relationship there and then just putting a spotlight on it. I
0: want to ask, um, three children is close to a full-time job for many people in general. Yep. Having two, as you mentioned, uh, with special needs, how how has that impacted your your personal and your professional life?
1: So for multiple years, actually, it completely truncated how I could work because they were also on... D- uh, sort of different schedules because the age difference. So I would get up at 4.30 or 5 in the morning. I wasn't running nearly as much as I am now. I wasn't training as hard as I was. I was doing other things. Uh, so I'd get up at like 4.30 in the morning and I would take care of the stuff for me and work until about 5.30 when my youngest was the early running. So I'd get him going and situated. I'd like do the dishes. i uh lunches, I'd do dinner prep sometimes, even at five thirty in the morning, take care of the stuff that needs to be done. Then it was the process of dragging the older two out of bed because they were teenagers. So imagine trying to get the teenagers up at six thirty so they can be out the door by six forty five for school. Uh then I uh my youngest I'd be able to accomplish a little bit more work uh while he was playing or whatever until he had to visit, catch his bus at eight thirty six. Not that I know that number so um, then i could actually do, uh, do work while they we were in school until the youngest came home that then I was back in the full-time dad mode and so like it supervise homework while making dinner or doing dishes or uh cleaning stuff up whatever so so there was a lot of multi uh and that's something i want to talk about in task focus so i would do all that then uh, also run the kids around because I had dinner. Scouts or Taekwondo or robotics or practice or what have you. So all over the place, boom, then about well, 8.30 when you in the store i have got to transition back
2: doing work. So I don't sleep that much, which is a good thing. I'll take your word for it that it's a good thing. Uh, I guess that you didn't
0: sleep very much when you started mentioning 4 o'clock aw- waking and then uh, all the things you're accomplishing, I figured you were up late. Uh, but you did want you mentioned, and before I ask a follow up uh, on parenting, because you go into your morning routine and it uh, it's, it's it's a lot there. But you mentioned multitasking to be able to get it done, and then the multitask versus focus. Uh, so I'll let I'll let you uh, take that where you'd like.
1: So there are a lot of things that we can do. So for example, when I'm running, I'm listening to an audio book or a podcast. So when I'm lifting, I'll be listening to psychology or philosophy or whatever. So things like that is very
2: easy to multi. But you know,
1: driving I'll be listening to stuff. Things like that. I'll be mowing the lawn listening to the, end of the game. I don't watch T V just because I don't have time. i so occasionally I'll catch a football game or what have you. But I love baseball so baseball is audio sport, so I can multipass there very well. But if I'm going to write I turn the phone off, and maybe I'll have music going, but all I'm doing is focusing on that particular task. Uh, I'll set a timer, whether 20 minutes, 30 minutes, because you can have a much higher level intensity over a shorter period and completely focused and remove move all distractions and accomplish more. And so I actually shift gears really well. So I'll do that. I'll get up. I'll walk around real quick to uh, reset my brain or whatever, and then, boom, on to the next task. Just roll up my sleeves and remove any other distractions so that I can focus on that and then again stop and maybe I can do something that multitask and it allows my entire brain to work and different things to play around but by shifting like this and having part of your day in short cycles of very intense, incredibly focused work and then being able to be a little bit more relaxed, more multitasking Sort of like hit training, or you know, uh, in running we do what's known as life, where it's really hard uh, short run, you know, 100 yards, 200 yards, then you use off for a uh, to catch the breath, then you run hard again. And so this cycling back forth like that, when you look at the end of a time period, like a day, a day, a week, the amount that you can get done by Varying your working style depending upon the task that you're working on allows your net output to be so much higher overall, and it's sustainable. You mm-hmm. don't feel nearly as burned out as if you to sit there and you know call clients for three hours at uh, a pop. That's going to completely make you want to close your eyes out. Versus doing it like this and doing it in fifteen-minute or twenty-minute increments, mixed in with other things, you accomplish that much more.
0: I like that you tied in the sustainability piece that it would be. Unrealistic and virtually impossible to focus, to give soul focus uh, all day, every day on things. But that, that you're not vilifying multitasking either. That sometimes it's necessary, and there are plenty of tasks that fall into the bucket can be can be multitasked. That that's a that's a nice distinction. Uh, we are coming up on time, but I, I did want to ask, since it, we talked about it a couple times today, when did you get started in Taekwondo, and, and how and how did you become a champion?
1: So I became a champion by doing the things other people do by as Muhammad Ali getting up and working in the dark and on the roads and all that. But it was also combined with a belief system. Uh, so you have your practice, you have the mental aspect too, so with physical aspect. It started when I was 12 years old. Uh, there were kids harassing my kids' sisters on the bus, so my parents signed them up for Taekwondo. About a month or two later, they signed me up, and I just completely took to it like a fish in water. And I've come back from something incredibly bad Injuries over time. And I just loved it and talked about multitasking. My mom used to joke that I would, back in high school, and actually uh, watch TV, I'd be, sit there, I'd have my legs out, stretch faster. I'd have the TV going, I'd be doing my legs. And so things like that were able to multitask versus the, when I was actually practicing, I would just completely and totally focus on that. And so that. And mental effort from that to focus is something that has carried me forward in a lot of ways and so for any family that has kids with ADHD go find a martial arts instructor that is very good with special needs kids get them involved because it will pay dividends for you
2: good advice and you've mentioned you're a Yankees fan you obviously run Taekwondo there you are uh
0: won't get into it too much, but what do you do? I mean, I'm sure those things take up. But what do you do for fun, or what do you do to decompress?
1: Um, I write a lot. So I've written six poetry books under on um, the wow. pool, in addition to all the other writing that I do. Um, I with I have three kids, so obviously spend a lot of time with them, I and mean, they're in, uh, my younger two involved in Scouts. so. We do a lot of things that involve things like that, like archery, guns, we do stuff like that. So it's an investment in my kids because they're learning discipline and focus, structure and having fun and community service, all these other things that I want to reinforce from them. And so there's an old saying, uh, preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. You don't necessarily have to use words because I am modeling it, leading by example with and so, one of the things that my mom, the nun, taught decades ago was having a bad day help somebody else out. And so, I built that into my system and my schedule, so that I am regularly helping other people out. So I rarely get to those bad days.
0: I really love that. The if you're having a bad day, help somebody else out. I think that's instilling that in a child. Can the the rewards that are going to be gained from that are Incalculable. Uh, I, I could talk to you all day, Joe. There are many, uh, many, many things that you've said that I find super interesting and go deep on. But uh, we we are at our thirty minutes. Uh, I, I'll just, I
1: I'll just I want to keep talking. I'm having I'll, fun.
0: Well, I'll just I'll leave you with this. Any anything I didn't ask you that I probably should have, or that you thought that would would make sense, give, given our discussion topic today.
1: Um, two things. You know, you talk about how I do ultrasound and all that. Like like David Goggins, I hate. I really hate running, but I do it because of how it makes me feel and what it gives me in terms of it. So choosing to do the hard things on a regular basis is one of the best ways to build your capabilities and earn your rewards. That's kind of says in earn your Saturday night. And <laughs> second thing is I'm not a naturally gifted athlete. I'm more of a math than a math. I actually started college on a search. I was, I was young, and because I was severely, severely as I was dead ten years old. So if I can accomplish things that I have accomplished with the injuries and the inability to breathe that I had and all this, no way else is any worse. You can do it. You just need to want it, and love, push yourself. And that if I can have any message for your people. Find that average water. Live your life instead
2: of sitting there and the away. Choose the difficult. I love it. absolutely love it. Uh, where can our listeners find you? We'll definitely post everything we talked about
0: today. Links to the book as well. But any other place they can find you or should look for. You mentioned oh, TikTok.
2: Yeah, I don't, don't know if pup. you've got a, an average pub. That's a, that's a good answer. <laughs> but
1: uh, everyday-excellency website where they can find most of the stuff. On Facebook, we've got a Facebook group, and it's also the same handle as Twitter, that at Keith for Joe, that's at Keith for Everyday Excellence, and, at, and, those are, and then again, go to everyday We'll
2: post to all those. Joe, thank you. This was
0: a ton of fun, and I uh, wish you continued success. Best of luck, and uh, I'm sure you don't need it, but uh, keep crushing it out there. This is a My, great conversation. thank
1: you. The x and
0: grow today. You got it. Take care, Joe.